Hey everyone, welcome to the Her Influence Podcast. I am your host today, Kathy Ostapchuk. And you know, as co-founder and lead catalyst of Gather Women, I just want to let you know that it's been our intention from day one to live out our values. One of them is invitational, that we choose to be invitational. Everyone is welcome at the Gather table. And that is as true from day one, from minute one, as it is today. We know that we live in one of the most multicultural countries of the world, and so we've always seen ourselves as very embracing of all the cultures of the world. We know that we have a particularly large demographic um, of Indigenous people in Canada, and so we've tried to talk about the issues that that brings to our nation as part of what we do at Gather in recognizing our Indigenous sisters as well. And we know also that unbelievably in the last seven to 14 days, what's happened in our world is incomprehensible. And our hearts are in pain and we're crying for our Black sisters also, not only in this nation, but in North America and the world. And it's not lost on me that even since our last podcast, uh, we've seen the world change right in front of us. It's not enough that we're in the middle of a pandemic, we're in the middle of a crisis, crisis of community, a crisis of racism, a crisis where we have placed one system above another, one people above another. Can we even comprehend that a white policeman would press his knee into the neck of a black man as he pleaded for breath until he gave up his last breath and died? You know, in North America, on our watch, we can ask, and rightly so, what's happening? How are we to cope with all of the things that have blindsided us without our permission? COVID-19, racial injustice, protests to bring down the systems that many of us have placed our trust in to keep us safe and set the rules for how we function in a multicultural society. And I don't know if you're feeling it, but if we haven't felt this tension before, we're feeling it now. I'm feeling it now. And I guess we wonder how is all of this gonna end? Well, before something can end um, or something can begin, we do need to end this. We We do need to stand. We do need to speak. We do need to say, not on our watch, will we see a system continue to discriminate against a race, any race. But in this season, our hearts are particularly for the black race, our sisters that want us to use our voice and join hands with them. So last week, Gather hosted an online conversation called Truth Has a Voice, the role of the church and its voice against racism and injustice. Our two presenters are both actually current members of Gather Women. And we believe that they were brought to us for such a time as this. Akwia Carmichael is a wife, mother, lawyer, author, and teacher. She's a senior associate at Dale and Lesbon, where she practices estate law. She holds a Bachelor of Laws degree from the University of Windsor and a Juris Doctor from the University of Detroit Mercy. Aquia was called to the Ontario Bar in 2006 and she's also the author of My Life Print, an estate planning manual and workbook. And You Are Priceless, a 31-day women's devotional journal. And as I said, she's also a much um, 
uh, a much celebrated Gather board member. Clara Dopo is an author, worship leader, and a career and business coach. She holds a PhD in economics, an MBA, CPA, and is a certified life breakthrough coach. She's passionate about helping people and organizations find and pursue their God-given purpose. And she resides with her three daughters in Ontario as does Aquia. So we are just so excited that both of these women said yes to this conversation. They both both bring their experience of personal and corporate discrimination and also hope, scriptural hope, biblical hope for how we can work together to all be a solution. Well, we were reminded in this conversation that as recent as 1983, we still had um, segregated schools in Canada. So this is not just a North American or global problem. This is a Canada problem and we need to own it. I encourage you to lean in, get a pen and paper ready, take some notes because there's so many aha moments in this conversation. And we're just so grateful that we are able to offer this to you to process even personally where you are in regards to what you think, your perspective, and what you may respond with in terms of speaking out against this systemic injustice. So welcome to this conversation, and we'll talk to you on the other side. Welcome to the Her Influence Podcast, Calling women to rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts. The Her Influence Podcast is created on behalf of Gather Women by Women in Canada for women everywhere to rise in their leadership influence wherever they are planted. We are grateful for our sponsor partnership for Season 3 with Sisterhood YXE and Lead Women, a women's cohort designed to provide women with a graduate education in ministry leadership that empowers them to bring transformational change to their churches, communities, and world with full or part-time and geographical flexibility. Find out more at horizon.edu. And now, here are your hosts, Kathy Ostapchuk. Vanessa Hoyes, and Caitlin Say. Thanks, Kathy. I'm looking forward to moderating this conversation and just asking some questions in which I will leave Aquia and Claire to freely answer those. And as Rebecca has said, if you have any comments or questions that you'd like me to pose once they've answered some of the questions, please feel free to send me a message and um, we'll make sure that I I get those incorporated into our talk. So my first question, uh, welcome Aquia, welcome Claire. My first question for you today is just to ask you to please um, define or to please give an explanation of um, what anti-black racism is or what um, just what racism is you know we we don't necessarily need even need to put the anti-black but what is anti-black racism um, how would you best uh, define it so that people have a clear understanding of that term mm-hmm. and a clear meaning of that 
Sure. Thank you for the question. And I'd, I'd like to start just by saying, ladies, I'm so grateful for all of you. Thank you for being here. It's it's it really warms my heart to see you all. And, uh, you know, I believe God's going to just do great things amongst us. Uh, and thank you to Kathy um, just for being Kathy. You're awesome. And you know that. <laughs> so in terms of um, anti-black racism, racism, I'd love to just take a step back and, and talk about racism very briefly. You know, what is racism? Um, you know, if you Google it or, or, or look it up in a dictionary, you'll find that racism is based in an ideology or in the ideology that uh, one person or one person's race is superior to another person's. And based on that belief or understanding, um, a person will engage in uh, discriminatory or prejudicial uh, behavior towards this other person who may feel uh, is just, you know, of an, an inferior race. That's racism. Why are we talking about anti-Black racism or where does, where does that even fit into this? This week, as Kathy said, has been um, just unbelievable. And, and the things we're seeing out of the United States dates back to, um, you know, lots of issues that Black people have in the United States with police officers. And they're specific. And I, I'm not saying that police officers only discriminate against Black people. Um, but there's a history there between Black people and law enforcement. We've seen this over and over and over again. And just the issue of anti-black racism is unique. There, there are, there are you know, all forms of racism against you know, all races. I, I'm not diminishing that at all. But anti-black racism is racism against black people, obviously. And the reason I make that distinction is because of what's going on currently in our midst, we're seeing anti-black racism play out. And I also make the distinction because I, I think it's important to recognize that, that black people have suffered racism in North America in, in a very unique way because of the history of slavery, 400 years of slavery in the United States because of the, and in North America because of the history of legalized discrimination. Just, you know, let that sit with you for a minute. Legalized, I'm a lawyer, and so that means a lot, you know, that, that politicians, laws were created that said it's okay to tell another person, a black person, your, your property, or you're not, um, you don't have the right to engage in the full society. You don't have the right to be with white people through segregation laws. We're going to um, take you out and make you separate and apart from everybody else. And so it's a real issue, um, anti-black racism. And it's easy for us, I think, in Canada to look at what's going on in the United States and think, you know, it's an American problem. It's not really something that we're dealing with here. But I, I wonder if any of us are aware that for, for in Canada, for over 200 years, there was slavery here as well. I, I don't know if people are aware of that. Or that in 1983, that was when the last segregated school in Canada was desegregated. 1983 in Canada, not in the United States. Um, and so we've got our own issues on the side of, uh, of the border. And uh, it's, a re it's, a, it's a real thing. It's absolutely a real thing. So I hope I've, uh, I, you know, I could go on and on about answering this, but I, I hope I've given you, you know, just an indication of, of what anti-black race, what racism is, and then anti-black racism and, and why 
we separate that out. Thank you, Akia. Claire, would you like to add anything to what has been said? I'm sure. So, um, again, I, I just want to echo Akia's sentiments and thank you for the opportunity and thank you, ladies, for coming out um, to listen to, to this because I, I believe that it is something that warrants uh, discussion. Uh, in the uh, crisis going on around um, um, racism, anti-black racism in the U.S. Um, again, um, Akria this defined racism according to the dictionary as uh, the feeling of superiority, but I want to extend that um, definition because if we th just think it's about being superior, um, then we miss out on some of the um, um, effects or ways racism plays out in our day to day. So it isn't just superiority, but extends itself to any form of prejudice based on race, as well as discrimination. So um, in our day, um, living as a, a as a black woman, um, I have experienced discrimination. Um, and prejudice as a result of my race, you know. Um, case in point, when I travel, I'm usually one of the people that um, has to wait the longest and be interrogated the most uh, by the immigration officer before being let into a country just because of the color of my skin and my passport. And how do I know? Um, I traveled, I've traveled with other friends with um, from other uh, races and we're traveling together party of two, dear Latin I'm held back questioned and questioned and questioned over and over again before I'm let into the country you know, so um, and those people will consider uh, the fact that oh, they're doing their jobs, they're not being racist, but the fact that they're discriminating against uh one person just because of color of their skin or passport that they carry, um, it's obvious and it's clear. And I know that uh, many uh, black people or people of color can um, echo that same sentiment. It's not a unique experience. And, and that's that's thank you for sharing, Claire, because it just really emphasizes how subtlety does not mean that it's not obvious. Right. And so, you know, even our politicians this week have said that Canada does not experience racism. We don't have that same history. And Aquia just told us 1980 what? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and that was the last school or 200 years. So um, we need people to wake up and to understand this is still very alive and well in Canada and the discussion needs to continue here. So thank you for opening us uh, with those truths so that we can start from there as we move forward. And I ask the next question, which is, um, what does it look like in the Canadian context? I know Claire, that you've just started us with that and, and sharing with us in your own personal story, but Aquia, take us into the Canadian context and, and what it looks like here mm -hmm. for us to be battling that question of racism. Yeah, that's it. It's an excellent question. Um, and the, the, it, it's so interesting. You mentioned um, statements from our politicians. And in fact, I've, I've you know, kept a, a short tally of it. This week, um, 
I've heard I've heard in the news from three politicians, our, our own premier in Ontario here, a, a politician in Quebec, uh, a former politician, Stockwell Day, and uh, although, you know, he did recant, or not recant, but he had additional statements after his initial one, and um, a journalist for the um, National Post. And each one of these men said either there's no racism in Canada, it was here once... A, you know, once upon a time, but not today. Um, or they said it's not, you know, if you compare it to the United States, it's like, you know, it's nowhere near what it is in the United States. And and I, I want to challenge um, those views, you know, and, and I understand when you look at the headlines in the United States, I get it because we don't see police officers with their knee on black people. Although, there have been issues with the police and, and killings as well of black people. But the, the issue for me is that we're having people, and, and I, I don't know if any of you see any similarities between the four voices that have come out to say there's no racism or, or it's, you know, it's not that serious in Canada. Are there any similarities? We see four males, we see four white males. I've been alive for 49 years. In my 49 years on earth, I have never had a black person tell me, you know, Aquia, there's no racism here in Canada. I've never had a person of color come to me and say, there's no racism here. And it, it reminds me of, of a situation I went through with my husband. And I'm sharing his identity. I told him I'd cover him. And he said, no, 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 it's okay. You can share my identity. Uh, and so I'm going to tell you what my one, and he's a wonderful man, by the way, just for the record. Uh, we were watching a television show and they were talking, it was about childbirth. And they were talking about, you know, the experience of giving birth. And, you know, there was a lady there and she was talking about the pain she experienced. And there was a photograph of somebody in a, in a hospital room and all that they were going through. And my husband says, it doesn't hurt that much. That's what my husband said. He said, it doesn't hurt that much. And I looked at him and I said, look, I love you. And so I'm going to forgive you for saying that. And I've never actually given birth to, to children. I've, I, I've never given birth. So I don't actually know what it feels like to give birth. I've been in the delivery room with a woman who was giving birth. And if I didn't know what pain was, I could see it on her face and I was clear on the fact it was pain. But I said to my husband, don't ever say this in a room of women because you're a man. You've never given birth to children. You will never give birth to children. You can never, ever, ever understand the pain or lack of pain or the height of pain or the, min the, the minimal pain that's in. You just can't get it and you will never get it. And you don't have authority to speak on, an, on a woman's experience in giving birth. You simply don't have authority to speak on that because you don't have that experience. And, and when we deal with issues of racism, it's so painful as a person of color, um, as a black person, when we hear, and again, leaders and, um, and you know what, to be honest, maybe some of, some of us on the call, some of us, maybe we're not sure, or we, we don't really believe it's that bad in Canada because it doesn't look that bad. But I promise you, as a black woman living in this country, I have experienced racism I experienced it 30 years ago when I was in um, high school and I had somebody 
call me the N-word for absolutely no reason. I, I did not know this person from anywhere, just came out and used this word on me um, in a tirade. I experienced it in university. I went to Queen's University. I experienced it when I lived on residence with um, a person who was describing another person's body part and said she has an N, I put that in quotations, an N behind, and said it right in my presence and, and just laughed because she thought it was hilarious. I've experienced it as a lawyer. In, 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 um, there was someone that I was supposed to be representing and the person used the N-word on me and was screaming at me. And just a couple of months ago, I went to meet with a client um, in a particular place and it, it was it's an all-white establishment. And when I got there, I, I had such a hard time trying to access my client because I was the only black person in that place. And to be honest, maybe the person was just a difficult person and it didn't have anything to do with me being black. But one of the things I'd like to communicate to all of us that are not black is when you're black, one of the issues with the black experience is that you never really know why people are doing what they're doing. You know, if you're, if you're treated in a way that you don't think is appropriate in a particular circumstance, there's always that question in the back of your mind. Did, the, did they give me, did they, you know, ask me all these questions because I'm black? Or do they always do that? And I don't know, but it's a part of our experience and it's real and it, it minimizes our, um, quality of life when we're living like that and thinking about that constantly. And so I, I just, in the Canadian context, I would say, number one, it's really important for us to all understand racism is alive and well, it's here. And the idea that it's not so bad in Canada also leads me to ask, how much racism is opaque, right? If, I don't know, if you're a black person in America and you're going to experience it a hundred times out of a year. And in Canada, because it's not so bad, you're only going to experience it 20 times out of a year. Is that okay? Like, are, are, we, are we okay with that? Because I'm not. And if, for all of us who have children, you know, you have your baby, they, they come into the world, you look at your child. How many of us would say, you know, if you're discriminated against a few times, that's okay. It's, it's not that big of a deal. None of us would want that for our kids and none of, that, none of us would want that for ourselves. So the, the idea that a little racism or not as much as is in the States is, we're okay, we're doing all right, I don't think is acceptable. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's so important for us to just see things from the other perspective, not the people who insist that racism doesn't exist and who aren't ever having that experience, but really from the people who are likely to be having that experience and, and having a conversation with them. Right, because one, one time is too many. And so to say that it's not as big is like who measures like that? Right? It only takes one car accident to change somebody's life, one murder to take somebody's family member away. So one is one too many, whether it's as much or as little. Thanks for sharing, Aquia. What is the biblical response to all that we are experiencing right now? Because I just even had somebody send to me a pastor in, in the States who was preaching to his congregation about how this is crazy like he he's a white supremacist and just preaching these kind of things and this is a church 
So mm-hmm. let's just look at the word as opposed to churches and, and really answer that question, which Clara had started to in her own personal testimony. But what is the biblical response to what is happening right now? Right. Well, uh, you know, I think um, there, there, there are two scriptures that I've really been thinking about in the context of uh, racism and injustice. And if you look at uh, Matthew 22, 36 to 40, and, I, you know, I'm not going to read through it line by line. Uh, there was a question asked of Jesus, you know, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, you know, you're to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your soul, your might. And then he says, and then you're to love your neighbor as yourself, right? And as Christians, the, 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 the one thing that's supposed to unite us and bind us is our love. The, the world is supposed to know that we're Christians because of the love that we show for all people, right? And so um, racism, I would say, is the complete antithesis of love, Right. It's it's one of the highest expressions of hatred that uh, a person can manifest, I believe. First um, John 420 also tells us that if we can't love the person that we can see physically, we, we, we can't love a God that we can't see. Right. And we prove our love in the way we treat one another. It's just that simple. And so in terms of, you know, what is the biblical response? What is the father's heart as it relates to racism? I think it's really clear. We just need to love people and to love everybody. And when we look at people and we see their color before anything else and begin to behave based on our ideas or stereotypes of that person's color, we've completely lost love. (laughs) We've just completely lost it. And so, um, you know, I I don't think it's not complicated. The biblical response is not complicated what God's heart is to this. Um, We just need to love people and and an inability to see people as image bearers of our father, to see them as, as people made in the image of God, that he loves every single one of us, that Christ died for every single human being, regardless of their race. The inability to see that is uh, not to understand the father and, and not to understand how much he loves everybody and wants us to do the same. Thank you, Akria. That is, you know, you said some things there. It's not complicated. <laughs> and it is, it's just so the antithesis of, of God's heart. Um, and it, it's, it's hard to think that in the church, we, we're still having these same battles. It's very heartbreaking um, because we're supposed to be God's heart. And, and that's a hard thing when we have to take it to the heart. And I, I heard somebody say this week that we can't expect the law to change what is a sin issue, what is a heart issue. Absolutely. And so it starts at the church. Um, yeah, Claire, you are you back with good sound? You can start where you, um, and you can add on to what Aquia was saying. Um, can you hear me better now? Is it better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I was saying, I was talking about, uh, I was gonna talk about the experience of my five-year-old with distinction. Uh, and experiencing that in her class. So as the only black uh, child in her class, uh, she uh, 
has difficulty getting uh, people to play with her. And then she comes home and she says, Mommy, um, um, why is my hair not like theirs? And my classmates were laughing at my hair. She has braids. She loves her braids. Um, or why is my skin this color, you know? Is it so she in her in her five-year-old mind can already see that she looks different from these people and therefore they're treating me this way because I am different from them. I don't have friends in my class because I am black, right? And um, I wish it was just her experience. It has been the experience of the, my three girls and they have um, had overt um, comments that tend towards racist, racism. And I was sharing Akia yesterday about one particular child asking um, in my oldest daughter's uh, presence, why black people can't swim well, you know? And we corrected the child there and then in love. You know, just little things like that we see um, and it's heartbreaking because we see it in its kind of raw form amongst kids too. That distinction, that discrimination, yeah. Um, and so, in terms of a response to to that treatment, as um, Akria rightly said, it is love, and love has um, two sides of it. I mean. So for other people, people of uh, the white people, loving people of other color, and us loving our enemies or those that treat us bad, you know? So the white person is not the enemy, I must emphasize that. But where we begin to also paint a people group that is as victims, when we um, um, decide in our hearts or choose to identify people group as the enemy that is also the antithesis of love right so um just looking at scriptures jesus commands us to to love our enemies and i just want to read a few of these because i i was challenged again as a black woman how am i showing love to uh, the people who are discriminating against me or against my children, you know, it's fine. You can do that to me. It's not acceptable. But when it you do it or you, you see done to your kids, you feel another sense of, of helplessness because you can't do anything about it. And they have to grow up in a world where there is prejudice and discrimination, right? Um, so um, Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, 43, I'm not going to read all of it. It says, love you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. And when I think about what is going on right now, I am so reminded of, of what the scripture says about bringing the best in us, not the worst. Yeah, we can see the way things are getting out of hand even though it's for a good cause, but let them bring let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Mm. Um, when someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out your true selves, your God-created selves. Uh, and that's from the message. Um, yeah. And what does it mean to love people? Uh, and this is another 
thing that uh, we talked about uh, previously, but because we always say love, 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 love. Um, and sometimes I feel like in this context, um, we have to realize that love is an action word. It is an action word. It's not just a fuzzy feeling of saying, oh, I, I feel this warmth towards this person of color. No, um, it, it goes beyond that. It says love does not traffic in shame or disrespect, nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter. Right? Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Wow. And I was so moved by the word love is a safe place of shelter. And it goes both ways. We have to be that bridge of love. So being a safe place for my white sisters, as well as you um, creating a safe place for us and being that safe place for us, mm. being that safe place of shelter is what love looks like. Um, especially within the context of our discussion today. Wow, I love what it is that you've just read. Thank you so much. That does give us a whole lot to think about and then leads so well into um, my next question. As you both answered um, the biblical response in, in reading scripture and, and telling us that the scripture is what it is that we use as our rule. Um, as women, my, my question is, as, as we've thought about the biblical response, what is our response as um, women, as Christian women? An individual response, and you've given us a beginning for that, as well as a collective response. Together, what can we do? By ourselves, one-on-one, -on -one, what can we do? What would you say is our individual and collective response as women to this very big problem of racism and what's happening in our society right now? Oh, yes. Um, so, uh, and, and I know Claire will have uh, other things to add to this. Um, the first thing I, I think we all need to do um, as, as women and sisters in Christ is acknowledge that racism is real and that it exists. You know, I, I don't think we can move forward in, in dismantling the effects of racism uh, without consensus as one body, that it's real, that it exists in Canada, that, you know, our black brothers and sisters in Christ are suffering um, at the hands of this evil. I, I think that's the first step. And then once we're able to say it's true and it's real, uh, looking at ourselves, to be really honest, and, and, and we, I think we all agree that uh, racism is a heart issue, right? I, and I, I, I did a, a blog post recently and, um, or an Instagram post, and you know, I said, look, racism is not, it's not a black issue, a black problem, a white problem, a Canadian problem, an American problem. It's a sin problem, and it's a heart problem. That's what this is about. People treat people differently and in negative ways because of what's going on in their heart, because they haven't had an encounter with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and made a decision, I'm going to love 
everybody. It's a hard issue. And so as we're going through all these, all this turmoil um, individually, I think we can look at our own hearts and ask those hard questions. You know, um, am I displaying? And if, even if you're not publicly displaying it, am I privately holding on to some stereotypes or beliefs um, that are not based in anything other than this person's color or race? We can have that discussion with ourselves and with God. I know I've been having that discussion and it's, 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 I'm learning things about myself as we go through this. And I think it's so important. And then I think the other thing that we can do and should do um, is speak up and speak out as a body of Christ and, and specifically as um, white women. We need your voice, you know, and when I say we, I'm talking about your black brothers and sisters. We can't do this without you. You know, this conversation that we're having today right now is because two white women and a team behind them said, yes, Claire and I are on the board. The wonderful Kim Blackaby, who's with us, is also on the board. And we have Kathy, who's the co-founder of Gather. When I spoke to Kathy about having a discussion around race issues, she could have said no. Kim could have said no. And guess what? We wouldn't be having this conversation. We can't do this without our white sisters and brothers. It's not going to happen. And so we need all of you to link arms with us and to speak out. You know, I, I feel it's so important to speak out publicly as well. I, I, I'm on Instagram. I, uh, you know, I don't post very often. The last time I was on Instagram was over a year ago. But when all this stuff started happening, my heart was so troubled. And I just come to a place where I realized I don't know what to say, but I can't say nothing. I don't know what to say, but I can't say nothing. I have to do something. And what is that? And so I think we all need to be able to get there, you know, to speak out publicly about these things. Speak out, speak privately as well. And then operate in your sphere of influence. Every woman on this call, you have a sphere of influence. There are people that you are affecting. There are people that are watching you and listening to you and paying attention to the way that you're living. And whether you're the CEO of a company or you are a single woman or you're a stay-at-home mom, it really doesn't matter what your life looks like in terms of what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. You have power, you have influence, you have a voice. And I'm asking all of us to use our voices to affect change. If you are a CEO or the president of an organization or in leadership or a pastor, I would ask that you take your organization to a place where you're publicly taking a stand and linking arms with your black brothers and sisters on these issues. When you do that, what you're telling us is that you see us, you hear us, you know that we're in pain, you love us, and you're with us in this fight. And we really, really need to hear that from our uh, white brothers and sisters. The other thing that I'd encourage people to do if you're not in leadership or you're not um, you know, in charge of a particular organization, go to the people that you know who are in leadership 
And if they're not having these conversations and if they're not coming up with strategies to deal with these issues, implementing policies um, around, you know, being more diverse, uh, reaching out to other people and including them in their activities and in the day-to-day operations, you know, ask them, why aren't we talking about these things? And, and, and you know, as an organization, where do you stand with this? What's your position? And why aren't we letting the world and our black brothers and sisters know that we're with them? You know, if you, if you belong to a church, you can go to and, you, and your, your pastor's not talking about race and racism and the sin of racism. You can go to your pastor and say, pastor, this, you know, you have to be living under a rock not to know what's going on. This is a pivotal moment in history, not just in the United States and not just in Canada, everywhere that there are black people, everywhere that people are experiencing racism. And that's all over the world. It's a pivotal time in history. And we as women can go to the, our leaders, we can go to our pastors and we can say, this is an issue we need to talk about as a church, as a body, and this is an issue we need to take a stand on because it's real, it's sin, it's evil, and not on our watch. This is what I've adopted for myself, not on my watch. Not on my watch will I be silent about racism. Not on my watch will I be complicit about racism. Not on my watch will I not hold others accountable in the body. I'm not talking about outside of the body because I don't expect people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ to understand and to respond in love. But I do expect that of every person that calls themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. I expect that you've encountered Christ and his love reigns in your heart, which means when there's injustice and inequality, you will link arms with whomever that is and together we'll fight and dismantle this evil called racism. As you were speaking, I think of so many things. I think of uh, when uh, Moses is needed, his hands held up, right? And it was on one on, on each side and not on our watch, right? Mm. I, I think of just the, the fact that the, the Lord tells us that there are no favorites. You know, there's no Jew and no Greek and no... I, I just think of so, so many pictures that come to my mind, and it's so true, not on our watch and it doesn't matter if it's uncomfortable and it doesn't matter if you're in an only white church in a small suburb somewhere or an only in a black church in a small or in a it doesn't matter it just needs to happen it just yeah. needs to and as a as a teacher you get that all the time well we're not in a very big multicultural who cares <laughs> because we don't just stay in one bubble and, and you're watching TV and you're watching movies and, you know, black people are not just basketball players and movie stars that we're real people. Yeah. And so again, that whole idea of not on our watch, we have Amen. To Amen. So, Amen. Right? Claire, just a couple minutes before I have questions for you. Is there something that you'd like to add to what Aquia has said? Oh. Um, a lot, actually. <laughs> but um, no, I said a lot. So I'll just, I'll just. Oh. Start um, <laughs> but uh, so good at queer, not on our watch. But I just, um, I'm just thinking about a, a, a framework also um, that we can walk out of this conversation today with and do something with. And you know, in, in Matthew, sorry, in Acts one eight, Jesus talks about us being witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. Where is our Jerusalem? Our Jerusalem? No. 
Oh, Claire. She's frozen. <laughs> and she probably is still speaking. Okay, well, well who are your friends? Who are your friends? Do you have people of color as your close friends? Are you pressing into those relationships? Because um, this takes intentionality. And for us as black people or people of color, do we have white people as our friends, close friends? If we want to see that bridge between people we have to be that bridge. We have to do the hard work. And like you rightly said, Shireen, it is hard work relating with someone from a different culture. It's so much easier to hang with your people, right? But we have to do the hard, hard work and pull people in, pull people in from the fringes, you know, be intentional mm. about pulling them into the conversation, pulling them into your heart and your home. And um, the second part for me of Jerusalem being our home is it starts with us as women if our kids see us having those relationships, those close relationships with other um, cultures and um, people of other races, it will be mirrored in their lives too, you will see them having friends from other cultures, um, there's a question that uh, Akria was going to pose but I will pose this, if your child, your white child was the only child in an all-black school, how would you feel? Right? And how would you want that child to be treated by other people? And it's the same thing. So we have a role and we are uniquely positioned as women to change society. And it starts with our homes. The society we want to see starts with our homes. In our homes, there should be no distinction between any race. There should be as much as we can. It takes intentionality, people. It's not going to be easy, but being intentional about bringing in diversity in your home. Let your home be a picture of diversity, mm. right? And then moving on quickly to, to Judea. This is your neighborhood, your sphere of influence. Akria has already spoken about that. And Samaria, Samaria speaks of discomfort right for some of us we need to step out of our comfort zone like way out of it and de deliberately put ourselves in environments where we have to interact with people who are not like us being intentional about it loving people and i mean it it may look like a mission strip or any other activity that you want to do i remember for some years we were very intentional about taking our kids on mission trips for that reason now we are black and then we go to greece meet um, um refugees from the arab world we live in the arab uh, world for a long time but we we're doing these things took kids to south africa anyway beside the point but it was intentionality on our part because we wanted to ex expose them because what we want from the white people is the same way I want from my child, the same thing I want from my child. I want my child to be the one who walks up to that only white kid in their school, if the cases or the table was reversed, and is a friend to them and treating them with no distinction, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that we have such a role to play. And of course, there's the rest of the world and there's just the social media and, and speaking up as Akira rightly says, but um, I will stop there, but we can do so much. 
we can do so much yeah. to change. And it, and it may seem, thank you, Claire. Thank you, Akria. And, and even what you've said, it may seem overwhelming, but the first way forward is the first step. And so as Akria even just said, you know, I, I thought of the scripture, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. When mm -hmm. she says, I may not know what to do, but doing nothing is not an option, right? It's so doing something and you start small and you start with one step. Um, ladies, we do have a couple questions for you. So um, the first question was a question about being a female and being black um, and, and, and having problems in, in both those areas in terms of is discrimination more intensified when you combine being black and combine being a woman, being female? in this whole world here? How, how would you like to answer that question? I, I have a really short answer, yes. <laughs> because they're just layers, right? They're, they're just layers. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it's, look, it's, we're, everyone here is facing a battle. Everyone here is dealing with difficulty. Um, and we've just got to recognize it's a fallen world and we're all battling something. Some of us are battling more things than others. That's the truth with racism. Um, but we've just got to push forward because you know, God made us who we are because he knew with him we would conquer. And, and whatever we're dealing with is not going to overcome us. Um, we, we had the question of, can one person's action of love really affect the systemic racism that exists out there. Mm -hmm. And and the other question that came in there um, is kind of combined with that one. It's a different question, but I'm gonna put the two together because this is where some of our sisters don't even want to respond because the question is, what if we don't say the right thing? What if we don't do the right thing? So here's somebody asking, can one person's action really affect it? And somebody else is really concerned with but what if I don't have the right words or I don't know what the right action is? Help me. So, um, the answer is yes. Yes, yes. Akria um, um, mentioned before that racism is the same problem. Now, within the mic again. Oh, boy. Can you hear me? Oh, no? Yes, no. Oh. So sad. Okay, can you hear me better? No? I think you're gonna have to type it out mm -hmm. on the chat. Okay, okay, I'll pass it over to Aquia then. Aquia. Okay. Um, so the one question: Can there can can one action of love uh, make a difference? Is that the question? Yeah. You know, can one person change? Can one person's action affect or change the systemic racism that's out there? And then somebody else asked, what if I, I'm wrong in what I say, in what I do? How do I know, you know? Right. Well, to answer the first question, it's funny because my husband always says, you know, people like to say, oh, I'm not racist. I'm not racist. You know, everybody feels that they're not racist. And yet we have these all these racist acts taking place, right? So yes, one action in love can make a difference. And if everybody on this chat 
decides from today, not on my watch. I am always going to, to take an action of love or do my best to do that. We will already begin to see racism dying and diminishing. And if you tell your friends and they tell their friends and you tell your family, yes, you might not see it as a big headline tomorrow, but it's working through us and, and it's reaching and having an impact over a period of time. Like racism in this country, it's, we've had it for 200 years, 200 years of slavery. It's not going away tomorrow. It's not going away next week. It's not going away next year, right? Even during these protests, police officers have been arrested for mishandling um, protesters while they're protesting police brutality. It's not leaving us right away. But every action of love that we take is making an impact globally and corporately. And even more importantly, it's making an impact in the life of the person that you are having an interaction with. Racism is not just a, a corporate issue. It's very personal. And the love you show to your neighbor or to your friend or the person you don't know but have decided to draw in to you and to, into, into your world, that is going to mean something to that person. Wow, that right there. Racism is not just a corporate and it means something to the one person that you're dealing with. If we just look at each life as valuable and just work from there. So um, it's uh, about 12.57. Claire, would you, can you speak better? Can Would you like yep. to say anything um, before we kind of summarize and, and draw this to a close? Is there something you'd like to say? Well, um I mean, I think Aquia said it so beautifully, I can put it better myself, but pressing into those relationships begins to ease this discomfort, right? Part of not knowing what to say um, comes from perhaps not having enough people of color, black people in our circle that are close enough that have, that one, we find a safe place right enough to voice our comments and our concerns and this is how i'm thinking without condemnation and i want to encourage my black sisters on the call that you be a safe place that your white sisters can say you know i'm really struggling i'm not sure is this right you know as well as my white sisters you being a safe place for us so it's creating that safety that that place of safety where people can be themselves that is the objective it's not about being polite um you need to get past being polite here and have real relationships which sometimes has conflicts you know but that's where we learn from each other right so be a safe place for people and you can change the world we are raising especially mothers on the call you are raising the future leaders we're going to end systemic racism if our kids right grow up in a world where there's no distinction mm -hmm. they will get into government and they will not see distinction right and they will end um, all forms of systemic racism now this is almost like a utopian view but it is possible it is possible. I look at the millennials as, as a people, as a generation, as well as the Gen Zs. They are less discriminatory. And I can see the change. The change is happening, people. It's coming. And we can, we can do something about it by facilitating change in our own homes and sphere of influence. Wow. 
Shireen, could I, and I know we're over time, I'm going to be 30 seconds when I say this, um, in response to the question around, you know, what if I say the wrong thing, you know, and the fear around getting it wrong, quote unquote. Um, first thing I would say is when you don't say anything, your silence has a voice. Your silence is actually communicating something. Yes. And so the, I would ask you to consider your fear versus the voice that comes with not actually saying anything. And I would say to you, I, I can tell you as, as a black person, I would much rather have you say something and bumble it up than not say anything. Because when you don't say anything, all I'm left to do is wonder if you actually care at all. Wow. And that and that's so true. Right. Um, not saying anything is like saying, well, I didn't make a choice. You did make a choice. Right. right. It's right. not making any change anywhere. And we, we have to get to that place where when the, the fear of changing is is less than moving ahead and knowing what's going to happen in our in our future. Um, ladies, we are so thankful that we have had your voices in this conversation. Um, it's, you've said a lot. Um, you've said racism is not going away. It's been here 200 years and it's not going to change overnight. But one step, one effort from one person um, will make a difference. And our churches and as Christian women, we need to speak up and we need to say something. And the change happens when it starts in our homes and what, what it is that we are going to teach our children and our family to have no distinction. And scripture says to love our enemies. And how does that look like? What does that look like in the actual active form? It's not just our words, but we've got to be able to invite people intentionally into our circles, into our space, into our home, into our conversations. Um, you, you talked about giving our sisters grace, allowing them to speak up and allowing us to be a safe place. And, and it goes both ways. Um, this conversation has been amazing. And it's obvious that it's not just gonna, this is just the beginning. It's not just ending here. We're not gonna just say, hey, we're not gonna have this conversation anymore. We've answered all the questions and we can now move forward. This is an ongoing journey of love and an ongoing journey of reconciliation and an ongoing journey of going before the Lord and saying, Lord, forgive us for our sins and an ongoing mm -hmm. journey of Lord, heal our heart. So we know that at Gather, um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for saying yes to Kathy. Thank you for um, Kathy saying yes to you and having this conversation. Thank you ladies that are part of this and on Facebook for joining us because you care and because you want to know and because you want to grow. Um, thank you for what has started here that the Holy Spirit is now going to continue to work in. And at Gather Ladies, we, we are inviting you to understand that we're going to keep having these conversations that we would love you to be a part of. If we're not just talking about this and race, we're going to be talking about other things that are hard topics to be discussing and hard topics to be, um, let's just say we're, we're getting married people in sickness and in health, in, for better or for worse, <laughs> for rich or for poor, we are getting married, ladies, uh, so that we can work through these things that are so prevalent in our society. Um, we at Gather say thank you. And we at Gather say, come and join us. 
Mm-hmm. We're going to try and do it every other week. And if it's not every other week, it'll at least be once a month that we are going to have some true and open conversations so that we can continue to teach each other and so that we can t- continue to grow with each other and so that we can continue to be being the, the kingdom of God here on earth. So I'd like to say thank you. Um, and I invite Claire, please to close us off in prayer. But Kathy, is there anything else that you would like said before we we close? Just Claire, God bless you. Please pray. Lord Jesus, I I thank you for this space, O Lord, that gather is a safe space, O Lord, and gather represents what we want to see happen in the wider society. Just just looking across my screen, I can see the diversity of, of women linking arms. And I, I thank you for Kathy, oh God, and, and for Kim who said yes to this, Lord. I pray that this truth that has come to us today will transform our lives, oh God, and with knowledge, oh God, will come the realization that we can do something, that we will leave this conversation feeling empowered and not deflated and overwhelmed, oh God, that we will go out of our way to reach out to someone different from us today, oh God, whether black or white, Asian, wherever they're from, oh God, we will be people who are intentional about creating safe places and being a safe place for Mm. people. I pray that you'll bless us, bless our homes. And I just pray, oh God, for change, oh Lord, because we trust you that you can end systemic racism of Mm. every form, Lord. And and we pray your peace on, on the Floyd family, oh God, as well as in the U.S., Lord. Will you just come and intervene in this circumstance today, Lord. We trust you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for closing us in prayer, Claire. Thank you, each and every woman on the screen and on Facebook for joining us in this very hard but necessary conversation. The one, the few, the many. We hear you. We love you. God bless you. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if all of you were as moved as I was by this conversation. I had a few aha moments. Uh, Akwia said that racism is the antithesis of love, and I believe that. It's really hard to believe that even though it may be subtle in our generation, the things that we have witnessed ourselves, um, it's still there and it still exists. And Akwia's question that things that have happened to her in her lifetime, she has asked, is it because I'm black? She adds to that as well, is it because I'm black and I'm a woman? And we can see that uh, we've experienced discrimination not only as different races, but also because of gender. So these are things that we wanna think about. These are things that we want to actually practice um, the Jesus way, we need to show love to our perceived enemies, even though we haven't thought of any other races our enemies by the way we've treated them. We may have shown that without being intentionable. So we need to move forward. We need to love those that we can see so that we can say that we love God who we can't see. Those are both related. We would love to hear from you. Hello at gatherwomen.com. We would love to have your voices part of our shared voice, our shared vision across the nation. 
And this conversation is going to be one that we are going to continue for a long time until we can say that we are all equal in the sight of God and actually in the sight of each other, that we see each other for the beauty, for the diversity, and that we actually express one of our other deeply held gather values, and that is harmony through our diversity. We can't make a song just with the melody, girls. We need the harmony. We need the diversity. We need each other. This is truly the kingdom of God. Thanks for joining us today. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Her Influence Podcast. Download and share this episode and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Go to gatherwomen.com for show notes, resources, and events in your area. We invite you to join the movement to hear the voices of women represented in equal value and strength in all kingdom conversations and to see the presence of women in equal value and strength in every area of influence. And now, rise in purpose and influence your world with real voices, bold words, and whole hearts.